Welcome to Lipstick Lessons, a weekly podcast on all things fashion, beauty, and sometimes romance. Welcome back to Lipstick Lessons. I am your host, Lindsay, as you all know, girls. How are we all? How are my little lippies? Happy hump day. I love that I released this podcast on the sexiest day of the week, and that is hump day. <laughs> hope you're humping. Hope you're having a, a horny old day. Um, I'm not. The, the the Lexapro is kicked in and I'm not really feeling that horny, but it could be because my period is due within days. Any any womb sisters going on as your period about to drop my flow app tells me it is five days, but that bitch is wrong a lot. So in this week's episode, it's just me, me and you, and I decided to talk about Sophia Richie's wedding. I'm sure you've seen all over TikTok and Vogue and social media, the glamorous affair that was Sophia Richie and what was his name, Elliot Grange's wedding nuptials in the south of France. It was fucking so glamorous. I'm like dabbing tears dabbing tears because I just recorded that earlier and recording that and discussing people like Nicole Richie who was obviously at the wedding and Paris Hilton there were photographs of Sophia Richie Nicole Richie and Paris Hilton all together and I was just like getting this surge of nostalgia from the idea of the true it gal and then I kind of thought about my whole relationship right between the it girl so I think back in the early 2000s when there were it gals like um if you've seen the recent New York Times um cover the New York magazine sorry cover which I'm hoping to get my hands on if you don't know I'm an avid kind of iconic magazine collector I have some interview magazines I have lots of love magazines I just have them scattered around the home I use them kind of as coffee table ornaments in my bedroom I use them stacked up and I don't know I'm obsessed with magazines so I'm absolutely dying to get my hands on this it girl cover story that they've done with the New York magazine um, I'm not really sure if the New York magazine is attached to the New York Times, if it comes out separately, if anyone has any information on that as to how I could get my hands on it, because sometimes trying to buy magazines from um, online, like American online, like the genuine sites, it is so expensive. Like we're talking $50 to get the thing shipped. That's when I was trying to buy interview magazine. I can probably get it dropped to my boyfriends, but like, I just hope that that works and all that kind of bullshit. But if anyone has any information and in how I can get my hands on this iconic cover, because they have Corey Kennedy, Chloe Sevenji, Edie Sedgwick, Grace Jones, amongst others, in different, you know, when they do that with magazines where you can get multiples of the same magazine with different covers and like, you can, oh, like I hook it to my damn veins. So I kind of was looking at that and seeing everyone, I posted it to my own Instagram, the, the Corey Kennedy cover, because I just thought that was the most iconic out of the lot, because that one, I guess, now I was a huge Edie Sedgwick fan. When I was kind of in my early 20s, I first came on to her. I was a big Andy Warhol fan. And then I came to know Edie Sedgwick, I think, through Sienna Miller's uh, movie that she did, Factory Girl, which was shit, but in the best way possible. Like, I was obsessed. I was in, I was in art college and I was like, I could be like Andy Warhol. And this movie came out and I watched it and I was just like obsessed with Sienna Miller. She's an it girl in her own right. At that time, she was the it girl of the moment. I'm not sure if she was still with Jude Law at that time. I think they had just broken up. And this was kind of like one of her, her own, like her cementing herself as her own it girl in her own right without being attached to someone like Jude Law. Because they, well, Jude Law kind of propelled her to fame and whatever. 
there was this kind of unspoken of, I'm not sure if it was genuine, but there was this kind of tabloid. They always pit it girls together. They would pit like Kate Moss and Sienna Miller because they had similar kind of boho style and street style or whatever and were kind of famous for getting in these tumultuous relationships. They'd pit people like Lily Allen and Amy Winehouse together because they were singers and kind of always had a fag hanging out their mouths and sang quite provocatively. You never knew if it was genuine. I actually read Lily Allen's uh, memoir and she said that they never had any kind of in real life bad at it like they were just like friends acquaintances whatever they'd see each other and probably snort the odd line together but the tabloids just pitted them against each other which kind of created this odd dynamic I guess if you bump into someone in reality and there's this huge big public idea of you guys hating each other that the tabloids have created for their own gain and I began to think of, if you don't know Corey Kennedy, actually, I want to do a little segment on her in a podcast in the future. It was around the time of Cobra Snake, which was a really iconic time in internet history when Blogspot first was kind of popping off. There was a website called Cobra Snake. I've spoken about it before on the pod. It was, you know, this guy, Mark Hunter, who was a photographer. He kind of specialized in like high flash photography, uh, nightclubs and just really cool LA and New York underground parties. Peaches Geldof would be there. Corey Kennedy was actually going out with him at the time. And there was a lot of ambiguity going around about like her age, whether she even should have been clubbing. She had this really disheveled appearance. There was no such thing as like stylist back then. It's the kind of, what are we calling it now? I know that it was kind of reborn. I can't remember if you could correct me, please do. But it was kind of like a teenage dirtbag era. These like people in their early 20s or teenagers and it was just like fucking chip nail polishes, disheveled hair, torn up clothes, like don't give a fuck. But quite clearly they do give a lot of fucks and are very stylized, but just like did that perfect like stylized, not stylized thing. Corey Kennedy was kind of this, one of the first like internet born it gals. Like she just came from nowhere. Her second name being Kennedy, people associated her with the Kennedy family and thought that she was connected with JFK, etc. She kind of leaned into that idea and then suddenly she was hired by Nylon magazine as a writer and she was like fucking modeling and she was wearing Chanel and hanging out with Karl Lagerfeld. Like it was, it just was like, who is this girl? She's not even, I think we're always... We're always like the, a true it girl, kind of like Chloe Sevangie as well. They're not, say, like Sophia Richie or Hayley Baldwin. They're not like, or Hayley Bieber, excuse me, how dare I use her non-married name? But they're not like these classically gorgeous girls. They're kind of, that makes it a bit more interesting when someone like Kari Kennedy or Peaches Geldof or Lily Allen, Amy Winehouse, they're not like classically just like perfectly pretty. They have an edge to them. Even Paris Hilton just had that edge to her. I think Paris Hilton's true style was when she was that kind of like pop punk princess like dipping the toe into an Avril Lavigne let it go album cover vibe when she had like little tiaras and that pixie cut hair there was like such an era of just like authenticity that we don't see now I've spoken before about how now with it gal culture we're seeing just like a curated identity of people constantly like Doja Cat obviously has incredible style and she would be considered like a pop superstar like you know maybe I don't know if you'd connect her to, who would you connect her to? Like uh, Lil' Kim maybe or something like that, even Beyonce, but like, I don't know, people would, people are such Beyonce stands, they'd probably come for me if I said that. But like, she's so curated and she definitely has her own creative style, but we're seeing just like heavily curated people right now that it's very hard to kind of extract authenticity. 
Sometimes you can find them on Instagram. You can find a little unknown kind of influencer who doesn't have many followers and like has an authentic style. And that's really cool. And you feel like you're getting that. Like, I think we're starved for authenticity. And the worst thing that's happened as well in in the past couple of years is this faux authenticity. Like, oh my God, I'm going to tell you about this really sad story, but in a really curated way. Like it's, it's very hard to know what is genuine and what is disingenuous in this day and age. But it got me thinking about my own relationship now in 2023 with the it girl. So if I think about the it girl now or it girls who, who I'd consider it girls now, okay, we have Julia Fox, quite predominantly became a huge it girl from her relationship with Kanye West and then propelled herself to a next level of it girl dumb by just dressing crazy, her memes, her wildness. She began her it girl journey by being quite authentic. When we saw her on Call Her Daddy, she seemed very authentic. But then over the months and over the year, I guess she became even more Well, I guess more brands got in touch, more designers. She just was propelled to a higher level and a more kind of curated and perfected image. So it's like they're molding and shaping these people to to market them more, which is, I guess, great for her because she's getting that coin. But she maintains her kind of authenticity on on TikTok. But I found myself being so judgmental of her quite early on. And I think that was for my own inner kind of... I don't know what you'd call it. What do we call it? Like inner women hatred, inner just like jealousy? I don't know. When we were growing up and seeing the likes of Lindsay Lohan, Nicole Ritchie, who I speak about later, Paris Hilton, we were seeing them in the utmost distress because paparazzi culture back then was, and Britney Spears, for example, we see, we were seeing paparazzi hounding the likes of Amy Winehouse to the point of it being completely inhumane. Upskirt photography was a common common thing Pamela Anderson's sex tape was stolen and she went to court and it was allowed be distributed because she was in Playboy like there was so little rights to your own property to your own consent to your own being in the early 2000s it girl world and I think that in the world kind of hates women can't lie hate to say that hate to be this kind of feminist bitch but like the world isn't set up for women and I think we really enjoy seeing women being tore down. So that's why I think we really enjoyed the likes of the Amber Heard, Johnny Depp trial. We loved seeing that. We loved seeing uh, Elizabeth Holmes being torn down. We loved seeing Lindsay Lohan, Nicole Richie being deathly thin, Ashley Simpson messing up that SNL performance or wherever she was performing when the backing tracks came on. We loved seeing Kim Kardashian pile on the pounds during her pregnancy. You know, we love to see women in kind of some form of distress. And that was the early 2000s it girl. That was Paris Hilton when she was getting arrested. Khloe Kardashian when she was getting arrested. That was Kate Moss when she was caught with cocaine. Amy Winehouse when she was on the front of the sun smoking out of a glass pipe. We love to see that. Lily Allen when she was named Woman of the Year for the GQ Awards and she was seen being carried out of the awards drunk off her tits. We loved Seeing that, we adored hearing Sadie Frost being such a bad mum, having Iris Law pick up an e-tablet when she was about three years old and having to take her to Amy. We fucking love seeing women fail. And I think now, from the history of the It Girl, what the new It Girl has been able to develop is a business out of that. And with the new culture of 
you know, lack of that kind of hounding paparazzi. Like a lot of these it girls, Hayley Bieber, Emily Ratajkowski, Julia Fox, are using the paparazzi to propel themselves, but in a more consensual level. Like they are hiring their paparazzi. They are pre-planning these shoots. They are dressing. Like rarely do we see, sometimes you'll see like a like a weird, like Victoria and David Beckham on a fucking yacht and it's like blurry little images of them. But like rarely do we really see, unless an actual person has caught someone out on fucking TikTok on their iPhone, um, we don't really see provocative images like when Emily Ratajkowski and Pete Davison were supposedly seeing each other I mean that was a setup PR relationship and that was caught out in TikTok when people caught them kind of going in and out and getting the photographs again and doing them again when it didn't work out or whatever so what we've seen is women being able to learn from past it girls who were traumatized by the press and probably didn't even make that much money off it like we know that a lot of those images that were taken of these women, those women didn't make any money off. The tabloids made the money. Paris Hilton had to come out with some dumbass book to try and make some money. She tried to come out with perfumes or whatever and DJ to make some money. That fame brought her no money. And now what we're seeing through, I guess, like, you know, Paris Hilton walked so Julia Fox could run kind of vibe, we're seeing, okay, it's, I don't know what's going on with paparazzi culture in terms of like legalities or whatever, but we're seeing Julia Fox, Emily Radzikowski play the tabloids in a way that actually Jade Goody created. Jade Goody came out of the Big Brother house and she curated what we called the, it was back when, you know, paper was king and the tabloids were, you know, being picked up. You'd buy the sun, you'd buy new magazine or OK magazine to try and obtain celebrity information and whatever, keeping up with your favorite celebrities. So with Jade Goody, what she did, she connected with a paparazzi who had been hounding her and she decided to make a series of photos. She would hire a Lamborghini or whatever, a Porsche for a day, crash it, pay for the thing, and they would make like hundreds and hundreds of thousands on these this kind of storyboard of photographs. These women, these post-it gals, a lot of them fucking, you know, either have gone quiet or like Jade Goody, she died, unfortunately, and she was hounded by the press up and down and had lots of ebbs and flows in the public loving and hating her. These women we are using as the kind of archetype to to now the it gals of today, Julia Fox, Emily Ratajkowski, Amber Rose. And I find myself, because of the lack of authenticity and maybe because of the lack of kind of demise and the lack of distress that I'm used to seeing women go through when they're so, you know, predominantly in the public eye, I'm finding, I feel like I'm a bit like, oh, she's not real. She's not that. Like I... I found myself really liking Julia Fox at the start, loving, I love the whole kind of charade of her and Kanye West three-week love affair. And then I think I got a bit judgmental of her. You know, this is just being completely honest. I got, I just was like, oh, she's just become one of those. She's just lost a load of weight. And, you know, that's so annoying. I kind of, I felt like I was pointing the finger at her. Oh, now she's going to be, you know, responsible for so many women's weight loss and Kim Kardashian she's going to be responsible for so many women's weight loss because she's dropped pounds but it's like why am I daring to point the finger at one or two people when it's like a whole foundation that has been built up by society and these women have probably been subject to constant body shaming throughout 
their time in Hollywood, throughout their time dipping into like modeling. We know how Kim Kardashian was treated when she was pregnant. Like, how are we then surprised or even daring to kind of point the finger and being like, oh, you should be responsible for like all these young women via your own body. You shouldn't be skinny because then other women, like as if they should hold more weight. So we, what, change the body image? Like, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I definitely, with the it girl, put them at such a high standard because they are so famous that I can just tear them down. And I'm just saying that authentically for myself. Like, I do feel like I've been so judgmental of the it girl of today because I'm not able to see them bawling coming out of a club. We don't see that as much. There's a lot more protection. People are more careful with how they present themselves in real life. Julia Fox came out only on a recent podcast saying that like celebrities are so boring. They stay inside all the time because they are afraid to be outside because they'll get photographed. And if they're ever, you know, not looking pristine or in a emotional distress, they'll get photographed and then it will be public. So they just stay inside and they stay in their circles. I listened to a couple of um, Julia Fox and Nikita Cash's Forbidden Fruits podcast. It's very hard listen. It is because the vocal fry for one thing and they just don't seem as intelligent as maybe they think they are. Again, however, I felt like I was like, oh, I really want Julia Fox. I had this idea of her in my head. Like she is new. She's fresh. She is outspoken. She's speaking about like current topics like feminism or... You know, she's quite open and not media trained, not as woke as, you know, some other celebrities and kind of reserved as some other celebrities. So I think I I had propelled her in my mind as this like really wise new person that we can all cling on to. But she's actually, no hate, she doesn't seem to be wildly intelligent in terms of like her speaking I, I I find her quite dumb and I, I know that's rude it is rude whatever I'm allowed to be rude on my fucking own podcast you know try my best here bitches but like I'm gonna be a rude bitch at sometimes I do find her to be just not maybe as intelligent as I perceived her to be from her from the initial kind of idea or perception I got of her but why do I expect her to be all of the things. Why can't she just be this cool it girl bopping around New York, being kind of funny on TikTok, wearing wild clothes, being a mom, saying some silly things? Why do I also have to hold her to this standard of, oh, she should also be wildly intelligent and be the new voice for feminism and be speaking exactly what I think and saying something like so eloquently so that we can absorb it and we can cling onto it and have this almost godlike figure? Like, why do we look to celebrities in any form of like, oh, we should praise them, we should we should worship them. We worship them in terms of like financially. Like if Hayley Bieber comes out with a lip gloss, everyone's fucking gonna run for it. Same with Selena Gomez with a, with a lip gloss. We're all gonna run for that shit or the blush, whatever the fuck these celebs are spurting out. We are, we are swallowing that calm, do you know what I mean? But I look at someone like Emily Radajewski, again, she's a new kind of, like I feel like I'm just, I'm just liking her right now. I've tried to listen to her podcast a couple of times. Again, I think I held her to a certain standard. I was like, oh, this bitch is going to come out with a book. The book was good. It wasn't like, you know, it's not like Sally Rooney move over, bitch. There's a hotter writer in town. Like, you know, the writing is good. It's it's as good as Pamela Anderson's, you know, but why do I expect, like, why do I hold them to such a standard? I think because they're beautiful, because Emily Radajowski is a beautiful woman who's speaking out about like whatever issues she's dealing with. And I've 
seen people on TikTok and I've kind of gotten on the whole like train of being like, oh my God, these women only care about the feminism that affects them in terms of like Emily Radajowski only cares about like this. And, you know, they can be so, uh, they can be very contradictory in their beliefs and speaking out. But why do I think that women should only speak if they speak perfect, if they say the perfect thing that I think they should be saying? Like, I think it's just good that people are speaking. I grew up with models like Kate Moss, who said three words, who never gave us anything. Now, it's like, I feel, oh, only if you have something highly intelligent to say, Emily Redijowski, then you should say it. I feel like I'm, this is my inner monologue coming out, but I feel like that's kind of how I, how I feel about the it girl today. Whereas back in the day, if Paris Hilton said something, it was dumb, it was silly, you know, that's hot, that's hot, that was, she tried to trademark that, and we just laughed it up and enjoyed it, now I feel like we're putting women at such a standard, why? Like, why can't I just like Emily Radijowski, and I push myself to read her book, and there were parts of it which I enjoyed, and I've not listened to a lot of her podcasts, because, again, they're not really my cup of tea, but through a couple of episodes, I'm like, actually, like, what is her, what is she harming? Like she is speaking, she's being open, she's touching a lot of sides, she's interviewing people, she seems to be quite a level-headed person, she speaks about, you know, her life without getting too into it, she is, you know, going through a divorce, she's now a single parent, and of course she's like massively wealthy, but like we see a lot of stuff coming out about Sebastian Bear cheating on her and maybe even being predatory to younger women, and when I saw that article and I saw a lot of comments, it's like, oh, why did Emily Radajowski not speak up about this, or why isn't she saying about anything about that, or why did she marry him, she must have known that this was going on, and it's like, excuse me, why the fuck is the woman still to blame for a man apparently telling a 16 year old to strip naked to to go for an audition what has Emily Radajowski got to do with that and if we're looking back in history at Emily Radajowski's history she spoke out about the the video that she did for Robin Thicke and Pharrell's song uh what was it Blurred Lines which was a very controversial song and she was obviously naked she spoke out about how that was quite distressing for her on set why, why would she then marry someone who treats her with respect if that was kind of the level that she was, I guess, used to being treated by men? So I'm definitely turning a corner in, unforcibly turning a corner in my own, like, the way that I think about women in, in the public eye. I'm really just trying to not be so judgmental. I'm too grown for this shit, I'm 36, I can't be like, even if it's in my own head, like I'm not the type of bitch anymore, I probably used to be a good few years ago, like just talking about celebrities in a negative way and the WhatsApp group or whatever, even on my old podcast, but now I'm like, why am I doing that? Why can't I be more of a kind of whole-minded person and like trying to link stuff back to why I'm thinking a certain way? So kind of a more low-key it girl, Sophia Ritchie kind of became an it girl because of her relationship with Scott Disick. She was 19 at the time, he was 39 when they started dating and he very much propelled her into the tabloid stardom and it was her wedding, so let's talk about it. So on Saturday, Sophia Ritchie and Elliot Grange got married in the south of France and this wedding has taken social media by storm. It is probably the most chicest wedding I have seen through the lens of social media. I don't go to many weddings. Like not many of my friends have gotten married. Um, I think it's just gotten so much more expensive. Now, now there's a few coming up in the horizon, but wow, seeing this through the lens of social media was just, oh my God, to be there would have been 
amazing. It's all over TikTok. Celebrities are posting behind the scenes. Let's read through this Vogue article, which really just describes what went down on the big day. The fact that Sophia Rishi only a few years ago was freakishly going out with Scott Disick, which was just so bizarre knowing that he had known her since she was a little girl and had grown up in the same kind of area. And it was just, it was a very like icky relationship for the tabloids, which obviously made it quite a big story for the tabloids because it generated a lot of interest and intrigue around this. It was also very strange that he had gone from Courtney, who was like kind of more age equivalent to then someone pretty much, I don't know what age was she when she was with Scott Disick. I think she was in her teens. So when Scott Disick and Sophia Richie were dating, Sophia was 19 and Scott was 39. So that's quite an age gap. She was closer to Mason, their son, Courtney and Scott's son, than she was to, um, to Scott. And I mean, we're seeing all this stuff coming out about Tyga and Kylie Jenner that they had started dating like really, really like went before she was um, of age. And it's just, it's just freaky, freaky shit goes on. So to see the kind of like glow up, to see that now she is 24 and getting married to someone who's 29 just is a little bit more palatable for me anyway. I know some people don't really see, you know, any issue with age differences and stuff like that. I kind of do. Like I, I couldn't imagine dating. I'm 36 now. I couldn't, I could not imagine dating a 19 year old like I just could I ew like that's it's just wrong it just seems manipulative it seems predatory I don't know I'm not mad about an age difference especially when we're kind of teetering towards the teenage or just off the cusp of teenage but anyway so it's really nice to see this kind of transition from you know her being this her being this it girl in the tabloids because of this very much age imbalanced and power imbalanced relationship and it did propel her into kind of stardom and she she was relatively unknown before before that high profile relationship but now seeing this wedding in the south of france like oh let's go through let's go through the the article and see what went down over the weekend because i mean i cannot believe it's like a royal wedding it's it's giving that it's so beyond chic so apparently she's a model and designer now obviously every fucking everyone on their ma in celebville is is a model and therefore designer i guess i don't know what she designs but i know that nicole richie is a jewelry designer so maybe she's transcended down that kind of line since it's in the family she is the youngest child of legendary singer lionel richie which is interesting i always wondered more about their family i'd love a reality show about their family because we know that nicole richie was adopted and um they kind of look alike which is strange maybe i don't know if they actually do sometimes you can just see through the eyes of of i don't know perceived sisterhood or whatever but nicole richie was actually her maid of honor which i thought was beautiful and apparently she delivered a really hilarious speech I loved Nicole Richie so much in The Simple Life. Like she was my bitch. She was who I was drawn to. I loved watching that show. But what I really remember about Nicole Richie was how wild she was first off. Her wild style, her wild kind of just out there personality. She was provocative. She was racy, but highly, highly comedic, really sharply witty. And in any other interviews of her, I've seen her that carries through. She is very, very funny. Like she could genuinely be a comedian. There was a show with Nicole Richie called candidly Nicole and it ran for four seasons and it was like a scripted kind of comedic faux reality television series really funny not sure 
where you could watch that now. I'm going to definitely check that out tonight. But yes, she has a comedic brilliance. And now much like Sophia Richie, Nicole had a very like kind of ebbs and flows of her. Like if you look, if you compare her, which you can't help but do so, if you compare Nicole Richie to, to Paris Hilton, there's been so much growth and change and a big journey with Nicole Richie in terms of like her her tabloid presence, her kind of her celebrity presence. Obviously starting off in the simple life, she was kind of, I'd say, I can imagine compared to Paris Hilton. Paris Hilton was kind of the, just the hot one. She was the more well-known one. Even the intro to Simple Life had Paris's name in the song. Like Paris Hilton doesn't give a fuck. Miss Hilton, you must be worth a trillion bucks. Get the feeling that you don't really give a fuck. Miss Hilton, I but Nicole Richie was absolutely the personality. She was like a bit bigger. I hate to say that, but there's no other way to say it. And I think that that definitely propelled her. Well, from from what I can imagine, probably propelled her into what seemed to be, even though I don't think she's ever admitted it, to be this eating disorder, which was then alongside Lindsay Lohan was splashed all over the media, these really thin it girls. She was in a relationship with this guy, Adam Goldstein. He was a DJ and he was in the crash with Travis Barker where he survived Travis Barker hates going on planes because of that crash he died in that crash so that obviously was another traumatic and quite a tabloid um heavy like the tabloids were really interested in this story because I think she was engaged to him at the time obviously we had the Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie fight were spat and then there was thing coming out about Nicole Richie's eating disorder that she held some kind of party you know you couldn't be over 110 pounds or something and there was a weighing scales at the door whatever there was all these rumors and there, she was just heavily kind of you know tabloid present in the early 2000s and to see the arc of her celebrity and the kind of respect she has in in Hollywood now is great and then to see it transform you know from her sister into this like she gas wedding I just love to see those kind of arcs so she started dating Joel Madden in 2006 and that's kind of when she seemed to level out a little bit in terms of like she kind of stepped away from racier headlines. She seemed to be coming a bit healthier, you know, from what we can perceive from just like tabloid images. You never really know what's going on because right now there's this whole kind of like we were worried about Ariana Grande, but we don't really know what, what's going on with someone, even though you you might see images of their body or whatever. So I don't even like bringing it up, but whatever. This is lipstick lessons. We keep it real here and I just say what I want to say. So she got married to Joel Madden of Good Charlotte in uh, 2010, which was like random, but kind of made sense as well. She was always a bit of a leg low-key rocker. So she's the maid of honor. Her and Joel started a charity called the Richie Madden Children's Foundation in support of disadvantaged young mothers and children, which is really interesting since Nicole Richie herself was adopted. So I like that about her. And she's now involved in fashion and jewelry. I think she started a brand called House of Harlow. And that was pretty successful from what I know. It may be giving Mary-Kate and Ashley the row. Mary-Kate and Ashley have the row, which to someone like me, who I'm not like super versed in in like luxurious fashion, unless it's quite glaringly obvious, like the household names like Versace or Dior, Gucci, whatever. But like the row apparently is huge within the kind of like upper excellence of of celebrities and wealthy people and House of Harlow seems to be doing quite well and then um, Nicole Richie also got into jewellery designing so yeah she has a lot of growth from what we have seen through her presence in in the media so I think it'll be interesting to see um, through 
Nicole's guidance. I don't think they're that public, but seeing that like Nicole was Sophie's maid of honor, it's kind of nice to see that they they obviously are quite close. And looking at these pictures of them back, kind of the BTS photos in Vogue, they seem really close and loving and happy together. I would have fucking loved to hear her speech. She was so funny. I'd love to. I, I don't know. She could be a comedian. She should just do like one off. I don't know. One of those comedy roasts or something. Or for a dad. That would be gas. So a trio of dresses was created by Chanel for Sophia. And um, I mean, they just are so chic. They're so, the dresses are so like not OTT, but I can imagine in person that they were just stunning to look at. Like this is au couture. And I always wondered like, what does au couture mean? I hear it and I, I never really kind of, I hear the word, I hear the phrase, hear the word, but I never really knew what it meant. Um, so I Googled it and translated, it's a French word. It means French for dressmaking, while home means high, um, or oh, I don't know how to pronounce that perfectly, but these are garments created as one-off pieces for a specific client. So I assumed that you'd get like so many fittings and like designed perfectly for you. And it's going to be a completely unique dress. Like, oh my God, salivating at the mouth, even thinking of that. 19th century Englishman Charles Frederick Worth is considered as the father of Ocature. And today members are selected by the Chambre Ocature. I'm not going to say that properly, but I know that there is within the Ocature um, industry, there are certain standards that you have to maintain. I know that like even with beadwork, everything has to be hand done to a certain standard for it to be classified as Okature. This part from the article like kind of made me lol. It has always been a dream of mine to have Chanel design my wedding dress, Sophia says. No shit. It's been like, who wouldn't have that dream? Who would be like, nah, Chanel, ugh, no, couldn't be bothered. I would fucking kill for Chanel to design my wedding dress like perfect to my body and not only my wedding dress my whole entire weekend extravaganza wedding dresses like she had multiple ocature wedding dresses designed for her by chanel the house of chanel she went over to the Chanel Ocature salons in Paris with her mother-in-law and best friend and had these like final dress fittings i can't imagine the glamour I can't imagine, oh, the opulence. I just cannot imagine. So a trio of dresses was created for three major wedding weekend events. The rehearsal dinner, which was on Friday night. at a Is that still a thing? I don't think it is. I think only in like really glam, expensive fucking weddings is the rehearsal dinner a thing. I'm not sure. Maybe it's just for kind of close friends and family. Because damn, if people are getting married and fully given multiple dinners, like, it's like, how are people doing this? But yeah, so on Friday night, they had a rehearsal dinner at a private estate. And then obviously the ceremony dress and then the after party. She said that she immediately envisioned the dress um, as a beautiful lace embroidered halter gown with a long train. Now, in photos, the dress is like exquisitely chic, yes. It's breathtaking. It's beautiful. She looks so, so, so stunningly simple. You know, like she's, she's just very simple. I love the sleek back hair. I love the veil. And um, the veil actually, which I thought was really interesting, was adorned with like resin water droplets that sparkled when she walked. Embroidered on the inside of her dress above her heart was S and E, which is a nice touch. However, there was so much, um, beadwork on this haltered wedding dress. I like that it was a subtle, a subtle kind of little 
emblem of their names or whatever but I do really just like oof. I remember the images came out of Hayley and Justin Bieber's wedding and that veil designed by Virgil Abloh R.I.P. till death to his part written at the end of the veil I just thought was such a kind of edgy touch to like the rest of Hayley Bieber's wedding look which was very classy so chic I think that is so oh back to Sophia I do love that idea of these resin water droplets kind of glistening as she walked up the aisle apparently the walk up the aisle took seven minutes that includes all the bridesmaids which were wearing black and I was once a bridesmaid and we were told to wear black and it was like choose whatever you're comfortable in just as long as it's black and I think that's a really great thing to do because almost everyone feels comfortable in black and there's so many options for black and it's like you know there's not really different tonal changes of black it's just black whether it's different materials or whatever so Sophia said that she just wanted her bridesmaids to feel comfortable and they could choose I'm sure it was on her money I hope <laughs> I hope she's paying but um they could choose what they wanted but it just had to be black and they wore from YSL to Rodar apparently and Nicole Richie's dress again I'll put up some pics on um Instagram tomorrow like she looked stunning I love that Sophia Richie also kind of recreated Chanel looks gone by so for her rehearsal dinner look which was almost Gatsby vibe Gatsby vibe it was quite like I, I love seeing do you know what I'm so kind of loving right now I'm so used to seeing naked celebrities like what was the last was it the Grammys I think it was there were so many new dresses and I just I think it's like obviously who doesn't love seeing sexy gorgeous female bodies barely wearing anything like it's it's breathtaking it's fab but whatever I'm a bit tired of it it's just not really shocking anymore you know like Doja Cat will wear nipple tassels and it's like oh my god but like it's really quite fucking normal it's like almost more daring now to to wear something like this rehearsal dinner look which was quite covered from the neck to to, to like it's giving completely covered in this like heavy um what was entirely hand beaded outfit so it was inspired by a gown that was worn by the late Stella Tennant who was a model who died by suicide a few years ago and she wore this look a similar look in the 1997's Chanel Couture fall show so Sophia said that it embodies the classic elegance and femininity that Karl Lagerfeld was such a genius at interestingly enough the Met Gala is in less than a week so I'll discuss some looks from that and the theme is Karl Lagerfeld so interested in how how obvious people like we love that about the Met Gala we love to see if people go quite obvious with the theme or if they completely disregard the theme like will we see Cara Develine carrying a Persian cat I don't know but I'm excited for the looks just for how frivolous it is as people who are in no way close to Hollywood and in no way in a position to ever be able to attend the Met Gala or even buy designer clothes to be able to judge from our couches at these ridiculous celebs who go to these constant award shows and events and whatever I just enjoy looking at these amazing gowns and hopefully next time I go to New York I really want to go to the Met. Also interestingly enough about Karl Lagerfeld there's a H&M collab coming soon with Thierry Mugler and I really would fucking die to get a piece of that. I hope that they bring some of it at least to the flagship store in town because Mugler is just huge at the moment and those H&M collabs have seemed quite successful they did for Sashay but the first one ever was Carl Lagerfeld so he was an amazing designer and whatever bit of a bitch 
bit of a tight bitch is what I've heard. But whatever, amazing. At, at the old fashion design. Nicole Richie designed a pair of diamond earrings to complement the rehearsal dinner dress. And she says it was so incredibly special to wear her design during the most important time of my life. I kind of like that she said time of my life. Now, obviously, it wasn't just one day since it was like a long weekend event. But it is kind of, I think a lot of pressure is put on weddings when it's like, it's supposed to be the best day of my life, the best day of my life. But it is kind of, I guess, the best time of your life. And that can be... I guess really stressful for brides and grooms to think like this has to be the best day ever because it's a pressure filled day like you're having to entertain a lot of people you are on show you have to look beautiful you're getting photographed heavily you're meeting people that you probably haven't seen in ages I'm sure there's some family drama between this person and that person but it is you know a great time to make that decision and to have that union not my wedding that was not that was not a great time but you know, usually when you're opting into something like that, it is for, I hope, the right reasons. So Elliot wore a Ralph Lauren suit at the rehearsal dinner and a Tom Ford tuxedo for the wedding day itself. He kind of looks a bit like Lena Dunham's ex. I can't remember his name. I remember he also went out with Lorde. He's a far cry from Scott Disick's coke adult skin. I'm sorry. Coke, sorry, <laughs> I was going to call him Coke. It could be his name. Scott Disick quite literally just looks like an addict and it's sad and it's it's sad it is sad but he does just look unwell those sunken eyes it's giving liver disease it's sad but like it's nice to see her just with this not I wouldn't say norm core alt he's an alternative guy they've known each other for years he's worked with uh, her father he is a music executive and founder of 10k projects and they have been yeah they've worked together they were introduced by mutual friends which is lovely it's nice to have not that what, what where would they be meeting Raya <laughs> similar to Hayley Bieber Sophia Richie gives off this kind of like I don't understand or know your per like non-personality personality vibe you know like we saw the Hayley Bieber call me daddy. What is it? Call her daddy? Yeah, whatever it is. Interview. She's quite a... I, I remember seeing a tweet. Hayley Bieber literally has no vibe. Like, she's just... She's kind of just... Bleh. Like, gorgeous looking, incredible style. Again, it's hard to attach her to her style because you know there's a team of huge stylists who have racks and racks of clothes lined up to go that she maybe has little to no... Uh, creative direction over and she's just putting these clothes and plonked on the streets in New York or uh, LA holding a green smoothie and photographed because that's her kind of brand we've seen all these TikToks of her like stepping out of her car and the photographer's being like no go again she gets back in the fucking Range Rover back out the car back in so that's her brand that obviously helps aid her brand it's kind of like the, probably more propelling than Instagram because when I see these people like you know, Hayley Bieber have amazing style and stuff. I'm like, oh, I really want to follow their Instagram. But then their Instagram is just a bunch of like, oh, I'm now a model for YSL. Oh, I'm on the cover of this magazine, Road, Road. Like if I had to unfollow Hayley, I tried to follow her around the Selena Gomez drama because I wanted to show my support. She was losing a lot of followers, but I had to unfollow that bitch because seriously, it was every day. Nearly dropping the passion fruit fucking juicy tube road lip gloss. I was like, girl. 
Same with Kim Kardashian. I remember around the Kanye West moment, I was throwing my support, following Kimmy K, clicking that follow, subscribe and like button for Kimmy K. And I had to stop because day in, day out, it was skim, skim, skim. I just was like, how? How are you literally a billionaire and still using your Instagram stories to sell, sell, sell more and more and more? It's bloody disgusting. But anyway, similar to Hailey Bieber, Sophia doesn't really have much of it. Like I wouldn't, like she seems like a lovely girl, very sweet, but not much personality. No, and that's okay. But like just a very, like sometimes I'd love to be like that. Sometimes I'd love to be just one of those, I mean, wouldn't we all? Stunningly beautiful, chic, very kind of pulled back personality. Very like I can just sit at the table and let other people talk. I don't really have any strong opinions or feelings. I'm not particularly passionate about anything other than my workout regime. Like I would fucking love to be like that. And Hailey Bieber and Sophia Ritchie are totally those girls. But in saying that, this is why people are standing Sophia Ritchie so hard is because we're seeing her on stage after the wedding in another oh couture post-wedding, whatever it's fucking called, post-ceremony dress. And she's like on the stage barefoot dancing to Good Charlotte who performed at the wedding, which is iconic. They hadn't performed in years and they got together, which really cool. The ceremony started at 6 p.m. Interesting, was probably quite hot, hot, hot in the south of France. So yeah, she was down the aisle with her father. Beautiful. I mean, if th that is a wedding I'd want to see. I did not tune in for Travis and Courtney's nuptials, whatever show that was on Disney Plus, which I do have. So I do have access to it, but I just, I really, I can't, I can't bring myself to press play, even though I know it is just chewing gum for the brain in terms of TV consumption. I just, there's something so, like, first of all, why so late? Surely you have millions of people working for you, all the money in the world. Would you not just drop it while it's hot? Like that was old news. We saw that corset little Madonna style wedding dress a year ago, Courtney. We're over it. Pete Davidson and fucking Kim Kardashian were going out at that time. Like we done. We don't, we don't need to see it now. I'm sick of Travis's bald ass head, if I'm quite honest. Like, please, get the damn rosemary spritz going for the TikTok and start growing back the hair, honey. <laughs> Is anyone following that guy on TikTok? He, like, grew his hair back with, like, rosemary oil or something. I'm just sick of fucking Travis's bald head. And, like, I mean, if it wasn't enough for the bald head, it also appeared on the veil to copy Hayley Bieber. Like, nugger, no. Actually, no, Angelina Jolie did that first. Remember Angelina Jolie when she was marrying Brad Pitt? Walked down the aisle and her veil was inscribed with her children's coloring, like she, like as if she'd let her kids go wild on the walls, but it was on her veil. I didn't like that. I, I'm pretty sure it's in color. Yes, it was. I just Googled it. Oh my God. It's ridiculous. She literally got the kids to color all over this veil. It was for Sashi who designed it. And yeah, they added these sketches that the kids had done. And it was just, <laughs> it maybe could have been nice if it wasn't in color, but it really just looked too obvious if it had been a bit more like pulled back, but it was quite obviously just children's drawings all over her, her veil. Um, like we get it, you love your kids, babes. Same, samezies, don't need them scribbling all over my veil, girl. So it was a traditional Jewish wedding and um, I paid homage to the iconic surroundings of Hotel du Cap, where it was, where the wedding was. It was very important to Elliot's family and to me, now that I've converted, that it be a traditional Jewish Jewish, I cannot say Jewish without having some sort of lisp. Traditional Jewish ceremony. Honestly, try say those three words. Try, try right now. Traditional Jewish ceremony. 
<laughs> it's giving Charlotte York. <laughs> um, that's really all I can think of when I hear, first of all, Jewish and second of all, conversion for marriage. Uh, so legally, they had to get married in the States beforehand. So before they left for France, they got married at home with just our parents and they read their vows then because we felt it was a very personal moment and something for just our families to hear and experience in the privacy of our own home. Love that. I actually think that's beautiful. I love that moment. If I was to get married, I think I would just stick to the traditional vows, the norm core, like, you know, till death do us part, sickness, health, yada, yada, yada. I'm not too into it. Like, I'm writing my own vows. I'll make your hot chocolate every morning, honey. Like, I don't like that. So if they were to do that, and if they did have some kind of poetry shit going on or whatever was going on, best to do that in the comfort of your own home. Like, you don't need to be spilling your damn guts in front of, like, your second cousin being like, we first made love by the other... Like, I don't need that. Like, I don't need these kind of little in-jokes where, like, all the grooms and his mates are kind of giggling at the in-jokes of her vows and, like, she's just... You know, I don't know. So, yes, I'm glad that, that they did that shit. Kept that shit quiet. Kept that, you know, just... You don't need to be... You don't need to be making that too public. It can get a bit, that's the weird thing about weddings. So like things, it's same with wedding speeches. Like when the, oh man, the groom's man, I fucking decides to get up and make a mad speech. And there's like a thousand in jokes that no one gets and everyone's getting really uncomfortable and he's getting quite like, you know, racist and homophobic, throwing in the odd jabs, bringing up old bitches he's fucked that one happens to be at the wedding. It's just like, why are you doing that? Like, I, I just very, no. I'm not into that. I'm not into, oh my God, he went mad and this person said this at the speech. Like, there's ways to be funny. At a spe- I actually had to give a wedding speech. My friend was the maid of honor at the wedding uh, that I was bridesmaid for, but just like moments before she gave her speech, she was like, I'm too nervous and nudged me and was like, you're going to have to do it. And I was like, oh, fuck's sake. And thankfully, I love being a center of stage and made a little comedy routine, but I obviously made it to be quite accessible for all. I wasn't going to, I don't know. Surprisingly, I didn't say anything too racy. So they recreated another dress, Sophia and the Chanel Couture family. And they recreated a dress that Claudia Schiffer had worn from the early 90s. And it was kind of a corset dress. So that was her dancing dress. And that was the one that she was videoed in on stage with Good Charlotte dancing. And it's just really chic, simple, classic. And that's kind of what she wanted from the wedding. She just wanted to look back in 20 years and not be like super glamazonia, you know, like doing trend-based things. And it it really got that. Like, she looks so phenomenal. She's so incredibly chic. Like, she gives that whole clean girl aesthetic thing to a damn tee. Her makeup is really subtle. The blush placement is beautiful. The nails are, like, barely there pink. Oh, there's, like, you know, there's just not much going on, which makes it so exceptional. Like, there's no shimmer on her skin. There's no, like, intense highlighter on her face. Middle part, split hairdo. Uh, you know, her little flowers, I don't know what the fuck flowers they are, but everything's very subtle and classic, chic Chanel. I mean, exquisite. She looks just like, wow. It's everything I absolutely couldn't do. The fucking resin droplets, I'm just looking on the Vogue website here at the close-ups of these photos, and those resin droplets on the veil literally look like little droplets of rain. Like, and a fairy is living in each droplet and has a little sparkle on their wing, and it's make, it's like, I don't know, it is so gorgeous. 
I love that she had Good Charlotte playing because obviously Nicole Richie's married to Joel. So it's a very, it seems like a very tight knit family. And in comparison to say like the Kardashians, like they do genuinely just seem to keep quite quite private to a certain element like we don't know much about Nicole Richie anymore we obviously knew so much about her you know in the early 2000s there was so much going on in the tabloids we knew about her relationships more she was way more she was just way more in our face and they could have maintained that but they managed to kind of pull back and you know she's doing her fashion house of Harlow jewelry line and apparently Sophie is also a designer and everything's just very chic and subtle and just just glamorous as hell and I loved looking at those images for a little bit of escapism and just the destination I mean I can't get enough these photos I'll link the article so you can have a look because they are breathtaking like I would have killed to go there imagine the food randomly one photographer I follow now she's huge and she's photographed Sophia Richie and the Kardashians a ton of times um she went and she had like a few bts photos as well and it's all over tiktok if you're interested just just check the search bar and i'm sure loads of behind the scenes shit will come up but like wow i'm this close to shedding a damn tear and just to know that she was kind of like i'm guessing and i'm completely putting words in this person's mouth or like you know flowering up a situation that I only gathered from the tabloids but I can imagine a 19 year old going out with a 39 year old there was a certain power imbalance there's a certain kind of like there's something sordid about that he is quite obviously an addict and being 19 going out with someone who is either an addict an active addiction or even an ex-addict is dark you know and I'm just so happy for this nepo baby to be able to have a very chic wedding with what seems to be a kind of stand-up guy who knows he could be goddamn abusive as well but the way that she speaks about him seems extremely loving and she also never sold a whole story on scott disick or kind of made anything of that and you know he very much mortified her when they broke up i think he got with bella thorne straight after and was just like you know very an, an embarrassing ex to have that she could have you know, she could have profited off that because fuck me, if I was getting fucked over publicly by Scott Disick, I'd be making those damn interviews and trying to reclaim my name. But she did it in this way that didn't come from this victimhood. And she's done it in this way that's like she had this quiet, more private relationship. You know, not completely private. She's not doing that like, I'm not going to tell you who I'm marrying. Like she's fucking selling her damn wedding to Vogue. But it's not as as in your face. I guess she maybe learned from from the Kardashians, from her past relationship with Scott Disick, but it is, it's beautiful to see just beautiful, rich shit going on in the world for a bit of escapism. You know, I love looking at this because it's so far removed. Sometimes it can be difficult to see, you know, your local influencer who's doing really well, but something so far removed. Like bring back just like good old fashioned celeb culture. Everyone looks stunning. Paris Hilton was there. We love to see it. Cameron Diaz was also there. She is married to uh, whatever his name is, the other good Charlotte member. They cut the cake with a sword. I love that. I thought it was a selfie stick. And I was like, wow, okay. A, a little odd that they had a selfie stick, but no, it's a big sword that they used to, to cut the cake. There's photos of Sophia, Paris Hilton, and Nicole Richie, which were really nice to see. I, personally, my, personally, my favorite dress was her, um, I don't know, what's it called? The fucking after wedding dress, her party dress. It is so stunning. It's short. It has the Chanel flower in the front. It is 
incredible on her body but still so incredibly chic she has this long flowing ponytail and these really fun shoes with uh the bows on them which are giving kind of like those shoes that were all over instagram a while ago but she kind of makes it work and she just looks like a very happy fun young bride and she also changed into these flat kind of white chanel loafers at the end of the night which is also nice to see because who wants to be getting bunions for photos you know like get your photos in the heels and then I think always at a wedding have flat shoes available to throw on because like you just can't be like you're either barefoot dirty standing on broken glass or whatever the hell or waking up with cuts and shit all over your feet if you've been wearing heels all night so you want to be comfortable so it was nice to see a photo of her when they did that whole I love that in a Jewish wedding where they're like up on the chairs the bouncing thing so stunning beautiful to see and I just want to say congratulations to Sophia and Elliot Grange. <laughs> 